Welcome to Career Tools. Today's show, Presentations, The Right Chart, Part 2. Well, you've been waiting for the conclusion to this one, so let's get right to it. Here we go. Okay, so we talked about pie charts. Let's talk about bar charts, which is kind of interesting because I I don't see bar charts that often. Yeah. I see column charts. We probably ought to talk about what the difference between the two is, but but I don't see bar charts as often as I might think. Yeah. First of all, let's just say, if you want to show how things compare to one another, but not necessarily as part of a whole, right, the bar chart is the best way to show it, okay? Now, look, if it's parts of a whole, then percentages are best, and so, okay, pie chart. Um, but if it's just a ranking or just a comparison, bar charts are better. And, and look, by the way, one way to decide, a good way to decide between a bar or a pie chart is separate from the fact that steer away from pie charts when you can, because they're more rare than most managers realize, most professionals realize. But a good way to decide is, do I have all the components for the total? If you don't, maybe you just have the top five of 10, then you have to choose bar versus pie. Okay, And just to be clear, let's be clear about the difference. Uh, When we say bar and column, when we say column, folks, we mean something that looks like when you look at a column chart, it looks like a really simplistic view of a skyline of a big city from far away at ground level, right? You're looking at columns, vertical black rectangles. They're taller than they are wide to your eye when you're looking at them looking them on a PowerPoint slide. And there are multiple columns in parallel and they're they're in parallel vertically. Okay? A bar chart is actually 90 degrees rotated from a column chart and bars get lo- rather a column that has more in it gets taller on the page, a bar gets longer and usually out to the right. There are exceptions sometimes they go to the left for certain comparisons. But for the most part, a bar chart is we use the y axis of the x and y graphing space. We use the y axis as the baseline if you will, and the bar grows to the right and and shrinks to the left. Whereas in a column chart, we use the x-axis as the base, and the column grows up and shrinks down. So bars look to be 90 degrees. They're, they're, they're um, at a 90-degree angle, if you will, to the standard column chart. But they're different, right? I mean, I think a lot of folks make the mistake of thinking, well, it's the same chart. I just decide whether or not I want to show it vertically or horizontally, and it's an aesthetic choice versus right. a, a meaningful choice in terms of presentation of data. The aesthetics choice, I've actually seen people who are, you know, who do presentation consulting say, oh, yeah, that, that, you know, it may depend on how you want the weight of that slide to be, whether you would use a, a, a bar or a, a column, right? Maybe the previous slides have had certain things in them that you want to continue that theme. And so you might want to choose a bar versus a column. This is wrong thinking. Aesthetics are the last thing to consider. I am sure there are some people who are upset with me for saying that. Aesthetics are the last thing to consider when we first haven't even just considered what's our message, right? Right. And if you choose a column rather than a bar, you run the risk of of confusing the message. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, So examples, profitability of a group of companies, right? Revenue of several competitors. 
total number of trouble tickets for each existing product or product platform. Category totals for a project, a construction project punch list, maybe. All of those would be good rankings, comparisons of items within a larger thing without, without having to make it a pure percentage, which would lead us to a bar chart. Okay. Now look, I'll say it again earlier, just because we know this data, right? Having data isn't necessarily what's important. Just because we know the various profitability levels of various companies doesn't mean we necessarily need to use a bar chart in order to show it. The, the question really has to be, okay, what's the point? right? What message do I want this chart to prove to my audience that leads them to the conclusion that I want them to get? But again, if you want to show where one item stands compared to others or where one item stands compared to one other in a group of five, even uh, the bar chart is the best. Now you mentioned earlier about it's, you know, it's not, not real common. We just don't see them that often. And you also said that people tend to use columns, right? They just, okay, I've seen, I tend to see lots of column charts as opposed to bar charts. So I'm just going to go ahead and make a column chart. Yep. And technically, they're the same basic graphic. And so you can use them interchangeably. Technically, they work. They don't, they're, they're not misrepresenting something. If you're trying to show the comparison between two parts of a whole and you don't need percentages and you use a, a pie chart, then you're misleading people. It's a misrepresentation. But a bar versus a column is not going to misrepresent. It is confusing, though. It implies something, some relationship amongst the data that isn't there. Yeah. And it's not, it's actually not a function of the graph, right? It's just a function of how people see it. And the mistake is that column charts, when they go along the x axis, right, they tend to th- cause the audience to think about time. Right, they they just immediately see the rightmost column as somehow happening later, as being in the future or more recent, if you will, than the one that's on the left. And typically, a ranking of this type, where we're comparing a couple of things, is not about time. If it is about time, we're going to use a different we're going to use a different chart. And again, we'll get to the time comparisons here in a, in a minute. Using a bar chart reduces that potential for the audience being confused and sort of an inference error that they make. Oh, look, they're showing me how things are changing over time when actually we're just showing you category A, B, C, D, E, and F, right? But how many times have you looked at a column chart, right? And you immediately think, okay, what's the trend? Immediately, right? Right. (laughs) Immediately. Yeah. And the problem is there's no trend if we're just comparing five categories, right? We're just wanting to show the strongest category or the category that's changed the most or, or what have you. I'm sure you've been in presentations, and it probably a lot of our audience has been, where somebody displays a bar chart, some executive or some manager in the room infers that there's some relationship over time, and then there's a two-minute discussion about the chart and what it means because the person is just completely confused. And it takes probably two minutes before it finally comes out that, no, there's no there's no time here. We're not yeah. I'm just making a comparison between, say, well, yeah, it confuses folks and it just puts a major hiccup in the presentation. Yeah, exactly. And those hiccups keep the keep you from flowing them naturally to the key points you want them to draw. Exactly right. There's another reason why too, it's a little bit more prosaic than the the whole time issue that we do that we get when we go with column versus bar, and that is in Excel, labeling columns is hard, particularly if you have long labels. 
and making them look well at the bottom because we read left to right, but each column only has a narrow vertical space in which to put its title, even if you put it at an angle, right? You angle it at 45 degrees or whatever. It looks crummy. It looks crappy. But when you use a bar chart, right, and now the bars are longer rather than taller, now you have a space to the left of each bar, and all you have to do is move the y-axis a little bit to the right if your labels are long and make them small enough. And then you can actually put a carriage return in there. And because we read left to right, it's very easy to find the space in a bar chart to make very clear, very obvious, very legible labels. And there's nothing wrong with that rather than people asking you, okay, what does each one of these mean, right? They'll be able to read it and, and they'll be able to draw, the, they'll be able to get what they need out of it. Yeah, and it, you implied it in your 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 message just to make it clear. We read left to right, and therefore we put the label on the left and not on the right. Good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You you want them to look at the label and then and then go okay. Now let's see what you what, see what that data is, and then they scan to the right and they see it. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes I've seen where, what people do is they put the bar chart, and then on the right hand side of the bar they put a percentage, which if it all adds up to 100%, then that tends to lead you to why didn't you use a pie chart? But putting that aside for a second, they put a yeah. number, right? And then they put the label of what it is. And that that is confusing. You almost have to go all the way to the right. Your eyes go to the right to see the to see to find the label, figure out what you're looking at. And then you go back to the left to look at the bar and find out where it is uh, relative to, to all the other bars. It's just very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, that that just is one of the it's a hiccup, right? And we don't want hiccups in our presentations. Okay. You know, it's probably a little early to say this, probably overreaching at this point, but imagine that you got really good at seeing which chart type was best for your particular message at a particular time, right? Wouldn't it be great if after, say, six months of using this newfangled ability, your audience started to know because it was you, they knew that you would intuitively get what you wanted them to get just simply by putting up the type of chart that you did at the time you did. In other words, when you put up a bar chart, if they really know that you're good with charts, they're going to say, aha, this is a comparison. Aha, this is a line chart. He's talking about time here. He wants to show me change over time. Oh, it's a column chart. And so that's going to be also about time. Oh, it's a pie chart. And so the message, when they see it repeatedly the same way, rather than people being creative, and look, there's been so much attention to slides shouldn't be words, right? They should be images because that's how the brain thinks and we'll make that point as well that people said okay well fine I'll, I'll spruce it up with images but they didn't know what kind of images to use they didn't know how to use them and so they randomly chose various chart styles for the wrong reasons but being consistent over time will help your audience as you get better at getting and messaging your your stuff uh, will help them draw the conclusions you want them to draw which is really cool yeah it's pretty sweet Cool. Okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit. How about some, some hints in terms of how to do the bar charts themselves? Any, any specific guidance there? Yeah. Um, some, some of this applies to columns as well, but look, make the spaces between the columns or between the bars narrower than the bars themselves. A lot of people think that, oh, there should be a lot of white space. And so they spread them out. No, that's not true. We definitely want less space between them than the width of the bars themselves. If you try it the other way, you're welcome to try it the other way. You won't like it. 
unless you're really shooting for some aesthetic effect. And we would argue, don't shoot for an aesthetic effect if there's a chance that that aesthetic effect is going to get between you and the message you really want to send. You want the audience to get. And then again, I mean, pretty standard stuff for virtually any presentation. Use contrast to highlight that one component or, or maybe two that best support are really are, are what your key message is about. Right. Don't be afraid of, of using those reds, those those warmer colors, those hotter colors, like Mike said, uh, to highlight something if it's color and use blues or the cooler colors in the background. And if you wonder what a hot colors are and what cool colors are, just email Mike and he'll <laughs> he'll give you a short class. I, 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 yeah, maybe the hotter colors are the ones that you see when something's on fire. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, OK. And then one of the thing. You can use a scale at the bottom on the x-axis for a bar chart, right? Uh, a scale 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and allow people to infer where the bar is at 55 or 56. Or you can use total numbers out to the right of the bar, but don't use both. True for columns as well. Folks will actually compare the charts. I've seen people pick up PowerPoints and turn them sideways so they're looking at it long ways so they can get a shot right down the page, flat on the page and say, okay, I'm going to double check that that's right at between 50 and 60 when he says the number is 55. It doesn't look like 55 to me. Are you sure your data is right? There are people like that, right, Mike? I mean, there are people that will oh, yeah, absolutely. argue stuff like that for the wrong reasons. Now, I will tell you something. There are some people who do this, and the reason they do that is because they made the chart themselves. They literally drew the chart themselves. Folks, let's be clear about something. There is nothing in this cast that should be misconstrued as you should draw your charts. Charts are not art. They are an artifact of data in Excel or some other spreadsheet that renders the chart for you. Get good at using Excel's chart creation uh, software. You can also do it in Word, but don't miss your, don't uh, enter your data that came right out of the spreadsheet and transpose a four and a five and then realize your data is wrong and then the entire presentation falls apart. Okay. Yeah. I just want to mention here order in terms of, so you got bars going from the top of the chart to the bottom. There is order there, right? There's a sequence. And so you just got to give some thought as to what it means. Um, I just avoid randomness. I mean, if you're doing ranking, it might be from high to low or low to high, for example. Or you might be showing ranking relative to various geographic areas. So geography might play a role in terms of east, west, north, south type of dimension. But my point is not to tell you how to order it, but to think about it and simply just don't put them there randomly. If you're not thinking about it, they're, the audience is going to imply some kind of order. So Yeah, yeah, they're going to assume that you intended the order you have. And when they don't understand it because it's random, they're going to get confused and think they're wrong. And you don't want your audience thinking you're wrong. Yeah, our wrong. column yeah. charts, which we'll get to in a second, it's pretty clear. The order is time. That's what that's one of the things column charts are used for is, is showing data over time. But in, in bar charts, it's not absolutely clear what that y-axis is. And so you ought to think about it and make that clear. Right. So since I spilled the beans a little bit on column charts, what's, <laughs> let's let's talk about, I don't really talk about column charts or, or, or line charts. Let's talk about time comparisons, right? So, which is often likely what you're going to see in presentation. Probably most likely thing you're going to see in presentation charts is comparisons over time. And in that case, that's where you want to use a column or a line chart. Yeah. And frankly, generally, we recommend the line chart over the column chart 
because, you know, talking to a bunch of folks that we know, it makes the change over time the easiest to see, particularly if there's wild fluctuations in the data. Going up and down and not having a line connecting the data points is a little bit harder for people. Now, this is not a hard and fast rule because there's actually a purer way to make a decision. The purer way is if the data are discrete, like say monthly sales, then a column is better than a line because a line somehow implies a gradual change, a connection between data points of month to month, right? Compare the difference in inventory levels, a month to month uh, chart of inventory levels or trouble tickets remaining, which is really something that's part of a larger system. Uh, It's measuring something that's connected. When you measure sales month to month, There's no requirement that sales in November be in any way related or causal to the sales in October, right? Whereas inventory levels, if they go from 500 to 400, the 500 is more than the 400 and the 400 was part of the 500, right? And trouble tickets, if they go from 70 to 50, those 50 are are from the original 70 usually, right? Whereas the sales in November are just sales in November. They're not from a larger pie of sales that were just being plucked from somewhere. Now, when I coach people on that, they've they've sort of paused and go, I don't know. I can't tell the difference. Okay, fine. You don't have to use that kind of distinction. I kind of like it. I, I think it speaks under the chart sort of uh, quietly about this chart is very precise using a line versus a column differently. But if you don't know, if you're not willing to make that kind of subtle distinction, fine, use the line chart rather than the column chart um, because it's easier to show the time change that you want to show. Yeah. The most important distinction here on line and charts is both of them are used to show time comparisons. That's the most important thing, I think. Yes, exactly. Okay. And we've already said it, right? Time comparisons are the most likely ones we've seen in presentations that we go to, right? So you need to get good with these two charts, with line charts and with column charts. If the point you're making has to do with time, you automatically narrow your choice, your chart choice to either a line or a column chart. Again, don't think you can show two pie charts or two bar charts. Making comparisons about time across two different charts is nearly impossible for most of us. I've seen people flip back and forth between two pages, tear up a PowerPoint, set them side by side and say, gee, can I figure that out? Well, of course, no, you're never going to be able to unless you really get into the details of the axes and the, the uh, scale of the, the, the axes and all those kind of things. It gets confusing. I actually, I probably shouldn't share it because it's a complete aside, but the, the worst case I saw, I saw over five different pages, five different pie charts that we were supposed to somehow watch the change in the growth of one particular area. It was, it was quite humorous, actually. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's like a little rodeo. It's like a paper rodeo in front of everybody, right? Let's, <laughs> let's jump one over the other and see what we can see. And yeah. One, one of my peers actually took the presentation. And you know those, those little flip chart things where, where you take your thumb and you go through them and they, you, you see motion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he he held it up to everybody and and flipped through the charts trying to show uh, some little animation of the. I got uh, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Okay, so some examples maybe sales for a series of quarters. 
Makes a lot of sense, right? Not Q3 sales, but sales for a series of quarters. Reductions in trouble tickets by month. Headcount changes per pay period. Declining earnings. Forecast inventory levels for Christmas retail needs. If you're talking forecast, by definition, you're talking time, okay? All of these examples that we just gave require data over time. We're going to use this standard caveat, though. Even if you have data over time, a time comparison may not be the message you want to show. Only choose the line of the column chart if your message relies on time. And, and as a general rule, if it relies on change, then change implies time. Let me give you a sort of a counterexample to that. Suppose loan losses at a bank are mounting, right, in the downturn. And as the loan losses mount, there needs to be increased capital held by the bank in order to protect against the, the, the failure of a particular note. It's actually not the decrease over time that matters in this presentation I'm thinking about, but rather that last month we dropped below a legal standard for a different type of capital reporting, Right. And frankly, you wouldn't really even need a chart for this unless you include a line on the graph where the standard is and you show your line chart going below it. But in a way, even though you have time data here, month one, month two, month three are above the line, and then month four is below the line, really what's important is we now owe new capital require reporting requirements because we passed below some threshold. The fact that it didn't happen in months one, two, and three versus month four, a real chart expert would argue, I don't think you need a chart. It might be pretty. It might be graphically appealing. But the fact that the previous three months, it didn't, and now it does, is simply a function of comparing your number versus the new capital reporting minimum standard saying, oops, we're below that, you know, we, we have to report. Now, if it dropped 3% between one and two and 4% between two and three and 19% between three and four, your message might be new capital reporting catches us by surprise. That's fine because of the steepness of the graph. And that does relate to time. But these are the kind of subtle distinctions we have to make in order to decide which chart is best for us. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, the issues that we're talking about here in terms of choosing which chart and the whole idea of messages versus a title, if you're having trouble with that, it just really highlights that you probably need to spend more time thinking about your presentation, whether you use charts or not. It's irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, if going from titles to messages is confusing. That means when you're doing your presentations, you're not, you haven't put enough thought into it. Right. Exactly. Good. So, okay. So let's, let's talk about some helpful reminders around line charts and, and uh, column charts. Right. The first thing is make the key trend or the data line that you most want people to focus on, particularly if there are multiple lines, make that bigger than any of the axes or any grid lines that you might have if you use grid lines, make that line stand out. The busier the chart gets, the harder it is for us to see what you want us to see. So don't do that to us. You also, by the same token, in terms of talking about weight or, or um, strength of various graphical elements in your chart, make the time axis, the x-axis, wider, thicker than the y-axis. 
and again, make those even more visible than the grid lines. So in terms of a ranking, it's your trend line, the line you want us to focus on is biggest, and then the x-axis, then the y-axis, and then finally the grid lines. Good. And, and the point being, if it's if it's squarish or if the x-axis is not larger than the y-axis, then it it tends to de-emphasize the, the time nature of the chart. Is that the exactly. point there? Yeah, okay. exactly. The whole point is we want to reinforce the X line is a timeline, right? And if you do that on your column charts, it confuses people. <laughs> Good. Okay. Yeah. Also, if you group column charts, you know, sometimes we have a blue and a red column that are next to, that are right on top of October, for instance, and they kind of overlap one another. We call those grouped column charts. If you use a grouped column chart to show the relationship between two pieces of data, right, and they have different trends, in other words, the blue columns go up and then down and the red columns go down and then up, those are very hard to understand for people, okay? It's far better there to use two lines because essentially what the brain does is draw a line between the tops of the columns. And the columns might be cute or the colors might be interesting, but you might as well just use a red line and a blue line. Even if it's product A and product B and product B is a cheaper version of product A. And so you would want them to be somehow connected, whereas the trend lines will stand independently, whereas the individual months of each column stand together. They snuggle up against one another. It doesn't matter. The point is the trend. If we're doing a time analysis here for the message relates to time, don't just use columns because they're the same product, one cheaper than the other one. Use lines if the trends are different. Yeah, the problem with that type of chart is generally there are two messages that are being tried to you're trying to send in the same the same chart. Now it's compact; it takes less space, so folks think that there's value there, and, and maybe there is, but it is confusing to the audience because really what you're doing you're sending a message, actually three messages. One is you're making a comparison of let's say there's a, a blue column and a red column next to each other that represent two different things, right? And so let's say they're two different products, and you're showing their relative contribution over time, right? Right. So you're sending really three messages. One, which is, what is the trend of the blue line, the, the blue product over time, right? Right. And then you have another message, which is the, the red product over time. And then you have a third message, which is the relative nature of the blue product to the red product for each point in time. For each point in time, exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it's terribly confusing. So way to get around that is just, just have two different charts, frankly. Yeah. Good. So at the beginning, you talked about an acid test, right? So right. What's, what's the acid test for presentation charts? Yeah. Can we understand without your explanation? That's the acid test. When you're done with your chart, show it to someone else who is less familiar with your topic or your presentation or your underlying data. Include the chart title, whatever you're going to title it. Ask them, what do you think when you look at this? If they don't answer with your key message, you can do better. Okay. The first way to do better probably is to modify the chart title, making it your chart message, telling them this is what this is the conclusion I want you to draw. And here's the data that supports the conclusion being drawn. That's the whole point of, of messaging relative to the chart, right? If they still don't get it when looking at it a second time, you may have the wrong chart or the wrong message for that chart. When it stands on its own, when people draw the conclusion and, and really probably most likely repeat the title, which is a message, you've got a great chart, you've got a great message, well done, stop working. Now we talked about charts, so we want to make an, another point about putting Excel cells or a table 
into a PowerPoint presentation because we see it all the time. And it is one of those rules that you just don't do it. Never. Yeah. Yeah, we, we never. And uh, we're covering this one last, so we got right to the actionable stuff up front. But we've got to do this because we see it. We see people using Excel spreadsheets as charts, and they're not charts, folks. And, and just because you you clip it, you cut and paste them, you copy, you drag and copy them as a as a you know, and say I'm going to cut and paste this. I mean, I think there's actually a, a choice in Microsoft PowerPoint to to paste a chart as an image. Right. Well, and it's, it's and it's live. You can make it so that you know you change your your Excel chart, your pre, your PowerPoint presentation is automatically updated. There's it's very alluring. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But, but the point with that is that's actually a spreadsheet in in the the PowerPoint. I'm talking about just making it a picture. Right. You can highlight an area in your chart, copy it, and then when you choose you know, pay special, you can say, I just want an image of that. And people think, well, that's my chart or that's my image. I'm making it pretty, right? Oh, okay. And it's literally not the chart. It's just a visual representation. It's not a chart. It's 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 not the spreadsheet. It's just a visual representation of the spreadsheet. It's it's taken all the the knowledge out of the spreadsheet, if you will. But either one, an image of a spreadsheet or the actual spreadsheet in any way, shape, or form, don't do it. And in fact, because it happens so often, we almost want to say this may be more important than choosing the right chart, right, right chart, because so many, again, so many people do it. We can't see the chart you're wanting us to look at. If you think of a spreadsheet as a chart, folks, we can't see it. The moment you project a spreadsheet as a chart, right? Half or more of your audience immediately does what we call the thrust and squint, right? We thrust our chins forward as if one inch extra closer to the screen would actually matter, matter reading 10-point type at 15 feet, and we squint. You know, this is an indication that we can't see that data that you want to show us. And folks, I know there are people who say, no, I want to see your data, but that doesn't mean you have to present it for everybody in the actual presentation. You can include pages of, of charts, and actually, we don't even recommend that in many cases. You don't want to present data. You want to present conclusions that the data support, okay? And look, if you show us anything other than the smallest excerpt, and I'm talking about a two-by-two two sample of cells four total cells there. There's too much information on your slide for us to digest it as quickly as you want us to. Even if you give us what you think of as plenty of time, it will be less time than what we need because you're so used to the data, you can't imagine it taking as long as it actually does for us to go through it. We've got to get familiar with it the way you have in order to draw, to have the same level of comfort with the conclusion we're going to draw that you have. You know, look, we've talked about this before. I know, Mike, that presenters have a wildly weird view of the passage of time when they're presenting, right? It's really wacky. Sometimes it goes fast, sometimes it goes slow. When you think you've given us plenty of time from up there on the podium to suss out what you want us to conclude... I mean, surely you just don't want us to read it, right? I, I assume it's more than reading it. You want us to make the connections that you've made and so on. If you think you've given us enough time, I promise you we're only just now finishing our first over reading of the numbers. We only now know what numbers are on the screen in front of us. We don't make any connections yet. We're just trying to get the numbers in our head. You've been looking at this stuff for weeks or months. Dream on about us putting together, putting that together with previous slides, the narratives you've shared to give us context to draw the conclusion that you seem to think that we can from you projecting data in front of us. And look, you may not like it. You may not like the fact that it's a twilight zone up there relative to time. You may be frustrated with your audience going too slow. Okay. 
But in an interesting way, we have data on our side, beside different from the data you're highlighting, of course, for why it's just, folks, it's nearly impossible to read projected spreadsheets quickly enough to draw a conclusion within a presentation. It's hard to read on a screen that big. Some of us don't like spreadsheets anyway. We're expecting to be talked to not expecting to read stuff on a big screen. We don't have the perspective of your entire ch entire chart to help us get the specific point of your excerpt. And of course, if you put your entire chart up there, your entire spreadsheet up there, of course, we're not gonna be able to see the font size, right? Um, we don't know your formulas. If we don't know you, we don't trust you. So not only do we not know your formulas, we wouldn't trust them anyway, even if we did, right? You want to speak to us as a group, as a unit, right? Because you're only using words once. You're not addressing each one of us individually. But we're all having different experiences with these numbers based on our closeness to their creation, to you, your budget, your division, and so on. Folks, the moment you project data and not conclusions is the moment you lose the ability to lead the audience to a singular conclusion. And if unless you have hours and hours and hours to present, which you may wish for, but you won't get, you can't do it. It doesn't work. Data does not help you achieve your goal. Well, what if you pre-wired with each of us, right? So you've you've already gone around and showed us the presentation and walked us through it. Does does that change it at all? It doesn't, right? Now, okay, we're in front of you. We're reading again, and we're trying to remember, right? And we're less certain of these things in front of other people because probably you were giving a specific pitch and highlighting the specific things that we needed at the time. And frankly, some of us assumed you would know better than to project your actual spreadsheet, making us wonder what else you don't know about presentations. So, yeah, not effective. And look, there's another deadly reason why projecting spreadsheets or really even just two column of numbers with clear and simple headings is counter-effective to a smart presenter. Our brains do not store data as rows of figures or even rows of words, right? The great stories you've read as books, as words on paper, end up getting stored as images in your head. When we present figures the brain of every audience member tries to store and make sense of them. That processing is what charts are supposed to do for the audience. When you take out a chart and you put in a spreadsheet, you're making it more complex. You're moving up the raw material chain rather than down into the finished goods chain, right? Where there's more value. Since everybody's going to have a different take on the raw data, they're all going to process it differently. They're going to lead to a vast, vastly different array of conclusions. And frankly, some of them are going to be bizarre enough you may not want to present again. Some people will say, I question where this underlying assumption comes from for this 2.35, when in fact we're talking about hundreds of billions elsewhere in the, in the chart. But people will, and it'll tick you off. And so, look, folks, if you've ever presented really good data and gotten really bad results, this is likely the reason why data leads to the formation of conclusions, but it's conclusions you don't control charts are actually conclusions which you do control and your purpose is getting the audience to a specific point to get them to agree to do something or think a certain way your design presentations are designed to be persuasive and data doesn't persuade it simply informs awesome well this has been a long topic but an important one i mean in your career there are relatively few moments where you're in a position to be persuasive and presentations are one of those points and it is a point where everybody in that audience is judging. Well, I wish it were so, but the fact is you're on stage and people are making an assessment of your ability to reason, your logic, 
your presentation skills, your communication skills even more broadly. This is one of those important points, and it makes sense. If you want to have a long and fruitful career, it makes sense to be good at presenting. And selecting the right chart is part of the presentation. So thanks for sharing with us. Okay, wrapping up. Never put Excel cells into a PowerPoint presentation ever, 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 never, never, never. Understand the difference between slide topics and slide messages and shoot for the message. Know what you want people to conclude, right? Choose a pie chart to show parts of a whole. Choose a bar chart to show bar chart to show rankings among things. And then a column or line chart to chart to show time comparisons. And that's where you most likely spend most of your time. And then the key is the acid test. Can we understand what you want us to understand without you explaining it? If you can do that, you've got a masterful chart and a message. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. Take care. Well, folks, that's all we got for you this week. Hope to see you back here again next week. So long.